This is a recording of For Their Good Have I Written Them, the onomastic allusivity and literary function of 2nd Nephi 25.8 by Matthew L. Bowen, published in Interpreter, a Journal of Latter-day Saint Faith and Scholarship, read by Victor Worth. Abstract. Nephi's writings exhibit a distinctive focus on good and divine goodness, reflecting the meaning of Nephi's Egyptian name, derived from NFR, meaning good, goodly, fine, or fair. Beyond the inclusio playing on his own name in terms of good and goodness, 1 Nephi 1 1, 2 Nephi 33 4, and 10 and 12, he uses a similar inclusio, 2 Nephi 5 30 31, and 25 7 8, to frame and demarcate a smaller portion of his personal record, in which he incorporated a substantial portion of the prophecies of Isaiah, 2 Nephi 6 24. This smaller inclusio frames the Isaianic material as having been incorporated into Nephi's good writings on the small plates, with an express purpose, the present and future good of his and his brother's descendants down to the latter days. The terms good or goodly and goodness recur with sufficient frequency within Nephi's writings as to constitute a key term therein. While admittedly not all these instances bear the same thematic weight, some have clear, specific, contextual connections to Nephi himself, his people, his writings, or to all three. Of these, several appear to have special significance because of their placement within the structure of Nephi's writings. The two books of Nephi on Nephi's small plates begin and end with wordplay on the name Nephi, Egyptian NFR, good, fine, goodly, in addition to beautiful, fair, in terms of good and God's goodness. See 1 Nephi 1.1, which contains the terms goodly and goodness, and 2 Nephi 33.4, 10, and 12, which contain the terms good and goodness. This onomastic wordplay creates an inclusio, a bracketing or bookending device, around the entirety of Nephi's small plates writings. This inclusio frames the books of First and Second Nephi, originally both titled The Book of Nephi as a single book, the book of God's goodness, emphasizing God's covenant goodness, Nephi's good upbringing from goodly parents, and the good contained in the doctrine of Christ, all of which have their source in God as the supreme good. In this short study, I will propose an additional instance of wordplay on the name Nephi, both as a personal name and the gentilic eponym or demonym of those who became Nephi's people, the Nephites, the good or fair ones. Quote, I know that they, the words of Isaiah, shall be of great worth unto them, Nephi's people, in the last days. For in that day shall they understand them. Wherefore, for their good have I written them. Second Nephi 25.8 Moreover, similar to the word play on Nephi in terms of God's goodness, that begins and concludes the former's writings. This wordplay functions as a closing bracket for a smaller but crucially important literary unit, consisting of Jacob's Isaiah-based covenant sermon 
in 2 Nephi 6 through 10. Nephi's witness statement in 2 Nephi 11. Nephi's great Isaiah block in 2 Nephi 12 through 25. And Nephi's keys to understanding Isaiah in 2 Nephi 25, 1 through 7. The closing bracket of the inclusio, 2 Nephi 25, 8, functions in tandem with the opening bracket, 2 Nephi 5, 30-31. Quote, Thou shalt engraven many things upon them which are good in my sight for the profit of thy people. Close quote. This unit envelops the largest concentration of the words of Isaiah in the Book of Mormon and defines one of its major purposes, the good of Nephi's and his brother's descendants in the last days. For their good, a twofold onomastic allusion to Nephi and Nephites. The Book of Mormon name Nephi is best explained as the Egyptian word nephi, N-F-R, meaning good, goodly, fine or fair, and pronounced nephi, nephi, or nufi. The complete shift in pronunciation of final r to final yi in nephi is evident in the orthography of at least one demotic papyrus document, P. Berlin 67505-7, where it is written as nephi in the phrase nephi natter the good God. Egyptologist James Allen believes the masculine adjectival form came to be pronounced, quote, something like nafi, close quote. Regarding the pronunciation shifts in Egyptian words characteristic of nefer to nephi, Allen further notes that, quote, the hieroglyphic system had no regular way of indicating such vocalic endings. In writing these words, scribes could ignore the sound changes and use traditional spelling, in the same way that standard English still writes L-I-G-H-T, light, even though the G-H sound is no longer pronounced. Often, however, a scribe would attempt to modernize the spelling. Quote. The spelling N-F-Y constitutes an example of this phenomenon. N-F-R occurs as a common element in Egyptian personal names and as a personal name in its own right. John Gee has further shown that, quote, Nephi is an attested Syro-Palestinian Semitic form of an attested Egyptian man's name dating from the late period in Egypt, close quote. Nephi makes several direct allusions to the meaning of his name throughout his small plates writing, beginning with the autobiographical introduction that commences his record, quote, I, Nephi, having been born of goodly parents, yea, having had a great knowledge of the goodness and the mysteries of God, 1 Nephi 1.1, see further below. Concluding his adumbration of five, quote, keys to understanding Isaiah's words, close quote, Nephi offers a statement of purpose for his large-scale incorporation of Isaiah's writings and Jacob's Isaiah-based covenant sermon. Quote, but behold, I proceed with mine own prophecy according to my plainness, in the which I know that no man can err. Nevertheless, in the days that the prophecies of Isaiah shall be fulfilled, men shall know of a surety at the times when they shall come to pass. Therefore, they are of worth unto the children of men. And he that supposeth that they are not, unto them will I speak particularly, 
and confine the words unto mine own people. For I know that they shall be of great worth unto them in the last days. For in that day shall they understand them. Wherefore, for their good have I written them. Second Nephi 25, 7-8 Nephi's use of good, Egyptian NFR or Hebrew tob, here as in other instances within his writings, has reference to his own name. It also has reference to his people, quote, the people of Nephi, close quote, whose good or welfare he has labored all his days. C.F. Jacob 1.10 Nephi's people had in his own time taken upon them the name of Nephi and bestowed that name on their land and capital. Quote, and my people would that we should call the name of the place Nephi. Wherefore, we did call it Nephi. And all they which were with me did take upon them to call themselves the people of Nephi. Second Nephi 5, 8-9 Likening Zenus' allegory or a parable to themselves, as Zenus invited his ancient Israelite audience to do, the Nephites might have recognized themselves as the good people, or, quote, that part of the tree which brought forth good fruit, close quote living in the good place, or the good spot of ground. See Jacob 5, 25-26, 40, 43, and 45-46, as Jacob, at the very least, seems to have done. They were the fair ones. See 1 Nephi thirteen fifteen, Jacob 2, 32, Mosiah 19, 13-14, 3 Nephi 2, 16, and 8, 25, 4th Nephi 1.10 Mormon 6.17-19 CF 2nd Nephi 5.21 We should note here that Nephites as fair and fair ones might have no racial implications at all. Further, if the range of meanings for fair as representing Egyptian NFR is wide enough to include quote, open, frank, honest, hence equal, just, equitable, close quote, as representing lawful, the Lamanites and Nephites becoming fair would instead have direct reference to their righteousness and conformity to God's law. See especially 2 Nephi 5, 8 through 10, 25, 24, Jerem 1, 5 and 11, Helaman 13, 1 and 15, 5, 4 Nephi 1, 10 through 12. However, Nephi's vision for the good of his people extended well beyond their welfare during his own time. Nephi's writing of Isaiah's words, in which his soul so greatly delighted, was calculated for the good of his descendants and those of his brethren to help them become good in the latter days. Another good inclusio, Nephi's framing of two Isaiah blocks. Nephi's small plates record which consists of two books, both titled the Book of Nephi, begins and ends with an emphasis on good and the goodness of God. Opening bracket, 1 Nephi 1.1 I, Nephi, Egyptian Nephi, good, having been born of goodly parents, therefore I was taught somewhat at all the learning of my father, and having seen many afflictions in the course of my days, nevertheless, having been highly favored of the Lord in all my days, 
yea, having had a great knowledge of the goodness and the mysteries of God. Therefore, I make a record of my proceedings in my days. Closing bracket. 2 Nephi 33, 3-4, 10-12 and 12. But I, Nephi, have written what I have written, and I esteem it as of great worth, and especially unto my people. And the things, words, which I have written in weakness, will he make strong unto them, for it persuadeth them to do good. It maketh known unto them of their fathers, and it speaketh of Jesus, and persuadeth men to believe in him and to endure to the end, which is life eternal. And now, my beloved brethren, and also Jew, and all ye ends of the earth, hearken unto these words and believe in Christ. And if ye believe not in these words, believe in Christ. And if ye shall believe in Christ, ye will believe in these words, for they are the words of Christ. And he hath given them unto me, and they teach all men that they should do good. And you that will not partake of the goodness of God, and respect the words of the Jews, and also my words, and the words which shall proceed forth out of the mouth of the Lamb of God, behold, I bid you an everlasting farewell, for these words shall condemn you at the last day. By the conclusion of Nephi's writings on his small plates, readers have a thorough sense of his character, motivations, and commitment to God. In 2 Nephi 33, 3-4, and 10, Nephi recalls the wordplay that made his good name and character attributable to the teaching of his parents, with a statement that his writings persuade to do good and teach all men that they should do good. These writings thus suit their good author and perpetuate a legacy of good among Nephi and his brother's descendants by inculcating good, especially obedience to the doctrine of Christ. Nephi's people, contemporary and latter-day, thereby become good. At the outset of his record, moreover, Nephi lists among his reasons for making his record the fact that he had acquired a great knowledge of the goodness and the mysteries of God. Nephi returns to this concept of final time at the end of his record when he declares that those who are not willing to partake of the goodness of God will be condemned by three scriptural witnesses at the final judgment meeting the requirements of the Deuteronomic Law of Witnesses for capital cases in Deuteronomy 17.6 and 19.15. All of the following constitutes an inclusio, clearly framing Nephi's entire small plates text, 1st and 2nd Nephi, and demarcating the unifying theme and purpose of all his writings, the promotion of the divine good and goodness available through Jesus Christ and his atonement. Significantly, this unifying theme and purpose underlie Nephi's incorporation of the lengthiest quoted blocks of Isaiah writings within Nephi's writings. Nephi uses another inclusio centered upon divine good to frame Jacob's covenant sermon, with its quotation of Isaiah 49, 22-52-2. Nephi's witness declaration in 2 Nephi 11 and Nephi's lengthy quotation of Isaiah 2-14. Thirty years after Lehi and his family had left Jerusalem, and more than twenty years after they had arrived in the land of promise, Nephi records the revelation in which the Lord commanded him to make a second set of plates beyond those that he had already made and upon which he had been faithfully keeping a record. 
a comparison of this revelation, 2 Nephi 5, 30-31, with Nephi's statement of purpose in 2 Nephi 25, 8, helps us see how closely aligned Nephi's purposes in his incorporation of the prophecies of Isaiah were with the Lord's vision for the contents of Nephi's small plates. Opening bracket, 2 Nephi 5, 30-31. And it came to pass that the Lord God said unto me, Make other plates, and thou shalt engrave in many things upon them which are good in my sight, for the profit of thy people. Wherefore I, Nephi, to be obedient to the commandments of the Lord, went and made these plates upon which I have engraven these things. Closing bracket. Second Nephi 25, 7-8 But behold, I proceed with mine own prophecy according to my plainness, in the which I know that no man can err. Nevertheless, in the days that the prophecies of Isaiah shall be fulfilled, men shall know of a surety at the times when they shall come to pass. Wherefore, they are of worth unto the children of men. And he that supposeth that they are not, unto them will I speak particularly, and confine the words unto mine own people. For I know that they shall be of great worth unto them in the last days. For in that day shall they understand them. Wherefore, for their good have I written them. In 2 Nephi 5.30-31, Nephi clearly delineates the Lord's purpose in Nephi's keeping the small plates. Quote, and thou shalt engrave in many things upon them which are good in my sight. Close quote. This statement appropriately alludes to Nephi's personal name as the author of a second set of plates called the Plates of Nephi, or the Plates of Good. Quote, and now, as I have spoken concerning these plates, behold, they are not the plates upon which I make a full account of the history of my people. For the plates upon which I make a full account of my people, I have given the name of Nephi. Wherefore, they are called the Plates of Nephi after my own name. And these plates also are called the plates of Nephi. First Nephi 9.2 Nephi then, even in naming his record, hews closely to the Lord's stated intent for the small plates when he avers regarding the prophecies of Isaiah that he has just written on the small plates, quote, Wherefore, for there, my own peoples, good have I written them, close quote. The Lord's former statement in 2 Nephi 5, 30-31, which comes just prior to Jacob's Isaiah 49, 22-52-2 based sermon, acts in tandem with Nephi's later declaration in 2 Nephi 25, 7-8 to form an inclusio around the largest body of Isaiahic material in Nephi's writings and in the Book of Mormon as a whole. It is not difficult to hear the echoes of 2 Nephi 5, 30-31 and 2 Nephi 25, 7-8, in 2 Nephi 33, 3-4. But I, Nephi, have written what I have written, and I esteem it as of great worth, and especially unto my people. And the things, words, which I have written in weakness, will he make strong unto them, for it persuadeth them to do good. It maketh known unto them of their fathers, and it speaketh of Jesus and persuadeth men to believe in him and to endure to the end, which is life eternal. The things good in the Lord's sight that Nephi has written and the good of his people for which he is writing them 
ultimately cannot be separated from the good that these writings persuade people to do, especially the doctrine of Christ, including believing in him and enduring to the end in faith, hope, and charity, which Noah Reynolds has demonstrated constitutes the equivalent of coming unto Christ. Becoming good requires doing good. Becoming like Christ requires living the doctrine of Christ and helping others to do so. He doeth that which is good, and he inviteth them all to come unto him and partake of his goodness. Nephi's use of Isaiah 55, 1-2 has evidence for his framing. More evidence for Nephi's seeing and framing the words of Isaiah in terms of the good of his people emerges in Nephi's exegetical interpretation of Isaiah 55, 1-2, which follows soon after the second Nephi 5, 30-31 and 25, 7-8 inclusio. This interpretation also roots his good in the goodness of God. In explaining the Lord's perfect righteousness and the selfless motivation for doing all he does, Nephi uses the language of Isaiah 55, 1-2 to explain the following. Quote, He doeth not anything, save it be for the benefit of the world, for he loveth the world, even that he layeth down his own life, that he may draw all men unto him. Wherefore he commandeth none that they shall not partake of his salvation. Behold, doth he cry unto any, saying, Depart from me? Behold, I say unto you, Nay. But he saith, Come unto me, all ye ends of the earth, by milk and honey, without money and without price. Second Nephi 26, 24-25 In giving this explanation of the Lord's love for humankind, Nephi clearly offers an interpretation of Isaiah 55, 1-2 in terms of coming unto Christ, which he equates with the fifth principle of the doctrine of Christ. Quote, Ho, every one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat, yea, come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? and your labor for that which satisfieth not. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, Hebrew tob, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Interestingly, Nephi's interpretation changes wine, Hebrew yayin, to milk. Perhaps in a deliberate allusion to the stereotyped description of the promised land as a land flowing with milk and honey emphasizing the covenant nature of the blessings enumerated in both his and Isaiah's texts. In any case, Nephi clearly understands the symbolic and spiritual character of the waters, wine or milk, honey, bread, and olive oil, or fatness, as sustenance. It is that which is truly good. The KJV phrase, eat ye that which is good, Hebrew, we'iklutob, from Isaiah 55.2, could just as well be translated, partake ye of that which is good. This phrase emerges in the English translation of Nephi's quotation of the phrase as partake of goodness. Nephi continues to interpret Isaiah 55.2 as he asks, quote, Behold, hath the Lord commanded any that they should not partake of his goodness? Behold, I say unto you, Nay. 
but all men are privileged, the one like unto the other, and none are forbidden. Second Nephi 26.28 Then Nephi's exegesis of Isaiah 55.1-2 through 2, culminates in one of the great statements of the universal availability of God and the equality of all humankind before him in all of Scripture. Nephi emphasizes the Lord's doing good and his goodness. The source again is Isaiah's invitation to come and eat that which is good. Quote, For he doeth that which is good among the children of men, and he doeth nothing save it be plain unto the children of men, and he inviteth them all to come unto him and partake of his goodness. And he denieth none that come unto him, black and white, bond and free, male and female, and he remembereth the heathen, and all are alike unto God, both Jew and Gentile. Second Nephi 26.33 Nephi knew that partaking of the goodness of God and partaking of his salvation would enable his people and all humankind to become truly good. Conclusion Nephi's writings on the small plates exhibit a distinctive focus on good and divine goodness. This focus appropriately reflects the meaning of Nephi's Egyptian name, which derives from Egyptian NFR, meaning good, goodly, fine, or fair. Nephi frames his writings on the front end, 1 Nephi 1.1, and the back end, 2 Nephi 33, 3-4, and 10 and 12, with an inclusio involving wordplay on his own name in terms of good and goodness. But he also uses a similar inclusio, 2 Nephi 5, 30-31, and 25, 7-8, to frame and demarcate a smaller portion of his personal record in which he incorporated a sizable portion of the prophecies of Isaiah, 2 Nephi 6-24. This smaller inclusio frames the Isaiah material as having been incorporated into Nephi's good writings on the small plates for the present and future good of his and his brother's descendants down to the latter days. Author's note, I would like to thank Susie Bowen, Alan Wyatt, Jeff Lindsay, Victor Worth, Tanya Spackman, Debbie and Dan Peterson, Alan Sykes, and Kyler Rasmussen. Matthew L. Bowen was raised in Orem, Utah, and graduated from Brigham Young University. He holds a Ph.D. in Biblical Studies from the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C., and is currently an Associate Professor in Religious Education at Brigham Young University, Hawaii. He is also the author of Name as Keyword, Collected Essays on Onomastic Wordplay and the Temple in Mormon Scripture. Salt Lake City, Interpreter Foundation and Eborn Books, 2018. With Aaron P. Shade, he is the co-author of The Book of Moses, From the Ancient of Days to the Latter Days, Provo, Utah, Salt Lake City, Religious Studies Center, and Deseret Book, 2021. He and his wife, the former Suzanne Blattberg, are the parents of three children, Zachariah, Nathan, and Adele. This has been a recording of For Their Good Have I Written Them. The Onomastic Allusivity and Literary Function of 2 Nephi 25.8 by Matthew L. Bowen Published in Interpreter, a Journal of Latter-day Saint Faith and Scholarship Volume 53, 2022, read by Victor Worth This audio recording is copyrighted under Creative Commons License 3.0
and may be freely distributed if it remains unchanged. The journal and its website are credited and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles on Latter-day Saint scripture can be found at journal.interpreterfoundation.org. More information about the Interpreter Foundation, along with a wide array of additional resources, can be found at interpreterfoundation.org.